Well, um, we have been in a series called uh, Good Ground. We're not going to, tonight I had something different on my heart. I don't, this may be a series, may be the start of a, a series, not that we're going to drop that one. We're not quite done with the other one, but I had something specific tonight. And um, so we'll get into this and it might just be tonight, but I, you know, it could be something that we go on. We're just going to go with the Lord on this. Uh, Romans 15 verse 1. Let's read this passage of Scripture. Romans 15, verse 1. It says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached uh, who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Notice that. Verse 5, Now may the God of, of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers. Verse 9, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy, as it is written. Now he quotes several um, Old Testament scriptures. For this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. Verse 12. And again Isaiah says, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. In verse 13, then it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, and that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back and read. Can you skip back to verse 4, and then we'll come back to verse 13. It says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. And then if you skip down to, to verse 13, it says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the New Living Translation, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice that. Go back to the beginning of verse 13. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, God is the source of hope. He's the source of hope. In verse uh, 13 in the Passion Translation, 
It says, now may God, the fountain of hope. I like the way it says that. What does that bring to your mind? To me, a fountain, what does it do? If it's, if it's running, it just keeps, it just keeps going. It just, just keeps coming. There's, it doesn't, if it's working right, it just keeps running. You come, you may walk by a fountain, you know, it, there's maybe a fountain out where, uh, near where you work and it's going and you go in the morning and it's running and you, you go by it at lunch, it's still running. You go in the evening, it's still running. It just is bubbling up. God is the source of hope. He's a fountain of hope. He never runs dry. He is always sufficient always there. He is the source of hope. He isn't just an object of hope like you could choose many of them. True hope is found in Him. Amen. And He never runs out. Let's read it in the Passion Translation. It says, may, the God, may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the, the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with this superabundance until you radiate with hope. That means you, you are walking down the street, you're just full of hope. God is the author of hope. Let's look at... A, Real quick, First uh, Timothy, we'll come back to some of these maybe, but First Timothy 1, 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. See, Christ is, he's our hope. In the New Living Translation, it says, this letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. Well, he's the source of hope. Hope is found in him. Miriam Whipster, the dictionary, um, the definition of hope, it's got a number of definitions. And we're not going to look at all of them, but I, I want you to uh, hear this. This first one, see, when we think of hope, a lot of times we're thinking like what this first one is. It says, to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true, for, um, or to be true. To cherish a desire with anticipation to want something to happen or be true. That is not the biblical definition of hope. That's like wish, and that's what people generally think. They think of this uh, just like I wish. When you talk about hope in the Bible, yeah, it's these other definitions which we'll read here. I, thought, I found it interesting in this one form of the verb, it has another uh, a number two, and it says archaic, which means, you know, outdated, and it says trust, which is actually what the Bible is saying. And then another form of the verb, uh, one, one, one uh, definition, is to expect with confidence. That's along the lines of what the Bible is talking about. In the, when we're just talking about um, a noun, it's expectation. When you talk about hope, when you're talking about the Bible form, it's expectation, but this is in the, the dictionary. This is what they're, they're saying, but this is the type of word that the Bible is actually talking about. It means expectation of fulfillment or success. Expectation of fulfillment or 
or success. And then it has the same thing. It says number two, archaic, trust, reliance. And that is what the Bible term means. And when we talk about God being the source of hope, we're talking about expectation of something good. We're talking about trust. We're talking about reliance. So in the Bible, then, that word, the noun means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. That's what the word means when you see it over and over when we're talking about this. It means to anticipate with pleasure. It means expectation. It means confidence. In, the, in vines, it means favorable and confident expectation. Favorable or confident expectation. Now, when you talk about to hope, it means to expect or to confide. It means, and it's, and it's translated hope, it's translated trust. A lot of times, there's a number of times where it's translated trust. So the word, when we talk about God being the source of hope, let's go back to, to look at it in a, the New Living Translation, Romans 15, 13, if you can put that up. I pray to God, the source of hope. We're talking about expecting something good. We're, expect, we're talking about confidence, confident trust. The, to hope for something, you know, there's so many people, they have lost hope. Now, they, they don't hope for something good tomorrow. There are a lot of people that in the world, because of everything that's going on, because of just the emotional drain, the constant noise, the division, you know, people are, are get to where they're hopeless. What is that? They don't expect anything. They, they don't expect anything good. They're not expecting change tomorrow. They're not expecting things to come up. They're expecting it to get worse. They're expecting same old, same old, or nothing good for me, but hope when we're talking about God and His hope, or I mean, we're, we're talking about biblical hope, we're talking about expectation, and He is the source of that. The source of true hope. See, people, the, the reason people are hopeless is because their hope was in the wrong place. They're, they were expecting something for a little while, and they, maybe there's an emotion that goes with that. Maybe there's a, a, a short-term happiness. They're expecting something because it's Friday. And so I just, you know, I'm a little bit more, hey, there's something. That doesn't last because, you know, Monday's coming. Or something happened a little bit different at work, so now, hey, it looks like something could happen. But when something, when things just keep pounding and, you know, Turn on the news, which you have to do advisedly at this time. You just don't, don't pump the news in just, just for the sake of, of pumping the news. And, you, you know, be discerning as far as, you know, maybe that you're focusing on certain things in your life. You don't need to hear something that you probably already know what it says anyway. You know, you know I've already heard it. Be careful what you're putting in. But people are looking at the wrong things and looking to those other things for hope. And that those things will not bear up under time. 
to keep us expecting, to keep us hopeful. And so when these things start to crumble, when things in the world start to crumble, when they start, when people uh, prove themselves untrustworthy, when people, uh, institutions fall, that erodes people's hope. They, they're like, well, I, they don't expect anything anymore. They don't, they're not looking for good anymore because too many things have, bad things have happened. But God is the source of true hope. He is the source of hope. And if we aren't looking to Him, then whatever we are looking to can crumble. Why don't you go back over, let's look at 1 Timothy 4.10. I just want to read a few more verses here. Just when we talk about when we're looking at hope and what that means and what, what it, it brings with it. These are some of the, the verses where it's translated trust. This is actually the same word. It's the same word, but it's translated trust. But you can see how that can be, how that, um, get the context and the way that's used and how that plays out and we can apply it to our lives. Then 1 Timothy 4.10, it said, For to this end we both labor and suffer reproach, you know, Paul talking about in the ministry, because we trust in the living God or expect in the living God who is the Savior of men, especially of those who believe. He said his trust is in the living God, but this word is not the word for faith. It's the word for hope, which means you expect God. You expect, you have confidence in Him, but you expect something, so that's how you're living. In uh, 1 Timothy 5.5, 5, it says, now just talking uh, uh, about widows here, he said, Now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Notice that it says trust in God. Well, that's the word for hope. You're talking about a widow. But she, she's trusting in God. What is she? She's hoping in God. For what? To be sustained. She doesn't know where certain things are going to come from, but she's expecting. Her hope has not, it is not diminished if she's looking to God. She hopes in God. Well, He's the source of true hope. He's the foundation. See, if we get our eyes on something else, our hope can start going down, but if we have our, our eyes on the source of hope, now we expect something. Now we expect tomorrow, I, I still, I'll still be chugging on, I'll, I'll still be, I'll have everything I need, I, I'm expecting, I'm hoping, what is that? I'm making a demand on, on the Lord. Not in a bad way making a demand, I'm, I'm saying I am putting my weight on, I'm expecting you to come through. Well, what is it when you lose hope? You don't think stuff's going to come through. You don't think it will be better. You don't think it will be different. You don't think something can change. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, this is interesting. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The word where it says, nor to trust in uncertain riches, that's hope. Well, you can see that readily 
If somebody is trusting in uncertain riches, they're hoping, their expectation is, my money's going to take me over. My money's going to bring me over. Can you leave that up? It says not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So you're hoping not in some piece of currency or how much you have. Your hope is in the living God who is the source of hope. See, this can go for any number of things. People's, this is talking about somebody that has money. God's not against us having money. But, but your, your hope can't be in the money. The money can fail you. God won't. If your, your money could run out, and God, if you're looking at Him, there's more. Because He's the source. And that's exactly what this is saying. It says, the people that are rich... Tell them, don't hope. Don't hope in riches. Don't expect in riches. That means if, if, if you were in the mindset of hoping in riches, if, if the riches goes down, if the account goes down, if the stock isn't where you want it to be, your hope is, Lord, well, I don't know if I can do what I wanted to do. I don't know if we're going to make it. Why? Because your hope is in the wrong place. Well, you could put this in any number of areas. Something, something dips and your hope's there. Eh the hope goes with it. Hope goes down. But if it's in God, He doesn't change. It says, don't trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us all, all things richly to enjoy. Second Corinthians 1, verse 8. Another verse where it's, or passage where it's, it's using that same it's using trust. It says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the, de the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust. This word here is, is the word for hope. In whom we trust that He will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given to many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Go back to, um, let's go back to verse 8. Read what He's saying because, right, let's pay attention to what He's saying as we read it, because Paul was going through some stuff, and if his hope was in the wrong place, he, he, it would start to dwindle. He wasn't going through light things. It says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. You know, if somebody said, How are you doing today? Well, I'm burdened beyond measure. <laughs> if somebody actually said that to you, or something similar, what does that mean, man? I'm overwhelmed. I'm underwater. Only I think this is a little stronger. When he's saying that, it's not just, hey, I have something due and I, you know, I'm feeling behind. This is, my life is being threatened. That we were burdened beyond measure above strength. So that we despaired even of life. This is pressing on him. He's saying this is trying to push. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. <laughs> that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, 
This is where it's saying the other, the other word is a different word, but this word is the word for hope, in whom we trust that He will still deliver us. What is that? That is hope. You trust, you're expecting that even though all this stuff is pounding, I still have hope in Him. That's where my hope is. I expect Him to deliver me. Well, can you, can you still have hope when things are pressing in and it doesn't look good? That's exactly what he's saying. He said the sentence of death was on us. Man, we were pressed above strength. He said, burden beyond measure, that we despaired even of life, but we look to God and we, we trust, we expect, we hope that He will deliver us. So now, what does that mean? If my hope is in Him, then it doesn't matter what's pressing on me. It doesn't matter what's pushing on me. If my hope is on, if, if I am focused on the source of hope, the fountain of hope, then it doesn't matter. It's just bubbling. More is bubbling up. Hope is bubbling up. I have hope. I expect him to take me through, to take me over, to help me get to the other side. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 11. So that is the word. That's what we're talking about. Yet we can, we can rely on him no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstance that we can have confidence, that we can trust, that we can have reliance, that we can have an expectation of fulfillment and success no matter what. Because of the source. Ephesians 2 verse 11. It says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he's describing, he's saying, that these, he's talking to the Ephesians, and he's saying, you, you know, you're, you're Gentiles, those are non-Jewish people. In verse 12, at that time you were without Christ. So you didn't, you, you didn't have any faith in Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Let's keep going and we'll come back. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you were without hope. Why would you be without hope without Christ? Because he's the source of hope. So you could have a false hope. You could have hope in something that wasn't Jesus. But God is the creator of the universe and Christ, Jesus, was God in the flesh, came so that we could believe on Him and be made right with God. He is the source of hope and the only way to God. You could have your eyes on something else. You know, people do it all the time. They have hope in something that's false. But Christ Jesus is the source of hope, is the foundation of hope, and is the only way to be right with God. And when you are right with God through Jesus, now you're on the foundation whereby you can have hope for every day. 
you could have circumstances going well, but not have Christ, and actually, in the bigger scheme of thing, things, you have no hope. Because past this life, if you don't believe on the Lord Jesus, then you're going to be separated from God for eternity. Even though Jesus has already, through Jesus, the, the price has already been paid for us to be right with God. But we have to call on Him. We have to say, I believe that, I accept it, and that then causes us to have something to expect. That causes us to have an eternal hope. That causes us to have the expectation that regardless of what happens on this earth, even if everything went wrong, that's not God's will, God isn't the author of destruction, but even if everything did go wrong, we actually have an eternal hope. We have hope that we'll win in the end. Now, when you bring that back to the earth then for what is going on, the things that we face day to day, we can believe that, hey, when all the dust settles, I'm going to go over. I'm winning. I'm going to spend eternity with God. So now in this life, in what's going on now, I can bring that to where I have hope for tomorrow because after all, no matter what, I'm winning. So now today, this temporal thing, like the Apostle Paul was saying, man, we, we were despairing of, of life. Things were pushing on us so much, but we believe God. We know God. We know the author of hope. We know the, the creator of the universe. So now I can take that into the now and be confident that he's going to do something in my situation now and bring it here. But the source is Christ. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. See, you're justified. That means uh, acquitted. That means declared righteous by faith, not by what you've done, by faith in calling on the Lord Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have peace. And then verse 2 says, Through whom also we have access by faith, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So he said, we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope or in expectation or in confidence of the glory of God. Why? Because I have been justified by faith. I've come into a relationship with God Almighty through Jesus and because of that, I have expectation, I have hope of glory. I have hope of things going well, of course, in the next life, but in this life. Yeah. Let's skip down to Titus 3, verse 3. It says, when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Verse 7, 
that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That having been justified, verse 7, having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope or the expectation of eternal life. That means because of what He did, I now expect eternal life, and I expect that I am in the right position with God, so I expect good in my life. This is the avenue whereby we can live in consistent hope. The world can go down. The world can start to to fall apart, and we can say, my source of hope, that which I base my life on, has not changed, and therefore, I'm going right through. I'm going over. My hope is not diminished. I can get up every day hopeful, not hopeless. Because I know the author of hope. And if I feel like my hope is dwindling, it's just a matter of my eyes are not in the right place. Because he doesn't run out. God has not fallen off the throne ever Whatever uh, we may see in front of our, our eyes as far as a challenge, God is still on the throne. All His resources are available. And it hasn't that He changed at all. It's that our eyes drifted off Him and started looking at something that's temporal. And the more you look at what's temporary, what's temporal, the bad stuff, your, the hope will drain right out of you. Because you're not looking at the source of hope, you're starting to look at, at, at a situation. You're looking at a circumstance. We may be listening to people that are hopeless. We may be listening to people that don't have their foundation in Christ. So they're saying words that represent their feelings of hopelessness because they don't have that hope. And if you start to listen to them, I'm talking about the world, people without God, without the Lord Jesus Christ, that their view is, is uh, colored, their, their, their words are colored by their outlook, which is not based on God. And then you can start feeling like that's what my future is too, because after all, they gave this quote-unquote fact And when I say, quote, unquote, it may be true. But if it's not put in the context of who God is and what Jesus has done, then it's not, it it might be true now, but it's subject to change, put in the context of God. But if you take God out of it, and you start just looking at something that is a fact now, and there is no earthly fix for it, well, then that breeds hopelessness. Because you can't fix it. You can't change it in and of yourself and in humanity's strength, in humanity's knowledge. Maybe there is no way to fix it. Maybe people in your situation would fail. Maybe it's statistics that you're hearing. Well, you know, uh, only, what, 10% of businesses make it past the first five years. And then there's only 10% of those businesses. You know, it's something like that. I, I can't remember there's different statistics, but it's such a low percentage. And if you listen to that, you could say, well, 
and, there, and then stuff doesn't look good or something, right? And you're looking at statistics and this and this and this, you can start to, to be discouraged. But you're listening to somebody that is taking God out of the picture. And well, this is just the real facts. Well, what are you talking about in the context of just walking around in this earth? If you ignore the spiritual, you're ignoring the thing that created all this natural. The Lord Jesus, he, he reigned. He took the keys of death. We, when we believe on the Lord Jesus, we, be, we are in the family of God and we have His power, access to His power and His ability and what He can do and what He can bring on the scene in our lives. And that changes everything. If you say, well, let's just put that aside because that may or may not be true. Well, you're taking out the reality that created the world and saying, well, let's just look at this part. Okay. I mean, that's like, you know, Julia got into, how did you get into Rubik's Cubes again? You were asking me about something, and I was like, oh, yeah, I used to do a Rubik's Cube. This was several months ago. Oh, so she picked it up. She found it, and she was messing with it, and I was like, uh, this was back in the, earlier this year, the end of last year. And she, I had an old Rubik's Cube, and there was a period of time where I, I'd mess around with the Rubik's Cube. And um, so she started, I was like, well, you know, yeah, I used to do something. If you're going to do that, you know, we looked up some videos, and I was like, go, go watch some of this. And, and so she started messing with it and started getting really fast, really quick. And then I was like, well, if you're going to do this, don't use that cube. I mean, that thing's like the archaic one. Just use, let's go get you a new one and start messing with that. And so she did. And pretty soon, she was at, I mean, much faster than I ever, I mean, way faster than I ever was. And so she was using all these other, other methods. And so then we, we were messing around, and then I kind of tried to do it. I never could even do it as fast as she did it, like, in a couple days. She got up to this speed, and then I would do it once in a while, and I couldn't do that. And so then, um, you know, she's, she's looking at different methods. Well, if, if you were looking at that, and then there's people that, you know, do it consistently in just single digits, and then the world record's like three seconds and something. And even that, I mean, the guy just got a good mix, and he recognized it, and he was able to finish it, but even the best can't typically do it that, that fast. It's in the five, four, five, six, people can do it that fast, which is mind-blowing. But if you're thinking, well, no, I mean, there's a beginner method. And so you can walk through it, go up. I mean, if you seriously, if you want to learn how, if you think that's impossible to solve a Rubik's Cube, it just looks hard, just go Google Rubik's Cube beginner method. They'll walk you through in about 10 minutes. There's ones that are longer. And if you just look at it and go over it, you can learn to solve a Rubik's Cube and you'll get cube and you'll get between one and two minutes, not without not much effort. And you can, if you do a little bit, you'll get under a minute. But that's a lot different than solving the thing in eight seconds or five seconds. And even to solve it in 20 seconds, you have to, there's, if you're going to do that beginner method, it gets to where it's physically impossible to turn the stuff, to turn everything to get much less than like 30-something seconds. It's, you cannot physically turn it using those algorithms. You cannot do it. 
So if that's all you knew, you could say, well, this is impossible. There's no way somebody, and it used to be, there's no way somebody could do it in eight seconds. You just, you can't turn your hands fast enough. That's if you use that method. And to go to the next level, you have to forget basically everything you did and start learning a bunch of other stuff and replacing. When you see this, you got to do this other thing. If you do the first thing, it takes too long. There's no way. It, it just takes too long. You have to like learn all these other things, which I do not have the patience nor the uh, desire to ever do. And, and Julia wasn't even going much past that. You have to learn all these other things, and then you can start breaking into the 22nd and then it, and stuff, and if you start going faster, you can start getting it down. Then you have to learn to even shave off more. You have to learn other things and memorize other moves to where you're getting to where you can do it like in eight, nine seconds. But people do it all the time. I mean, people, they will literally just go over and over and they can go 8.1, 8.3, 7.6, 9.0. And they just, there's, that is not a bar people, that, that people can't do. They do it all the time. But if you thought the only way you're going to do it is what you can see with that beginner method, you would say it is impossible. There's no way you can get to nine seconds, let alone three. It is physically impossible, but it's not. And that's just a natural thing. You, you could learn something that you could actually get down to where it was possible. And that's the same thing. When people start looking at what they can see and they go, it's impossible, there's no way, and their hope starts going down, if you discount the fact that you know Almighty God and your faith is actually based on Him, you are throwing away all the possibility and your hope goes down with it when in fact there is a way. There is a way no matter what it looks like. And there's a way that could be like this. You think, well, yeah, even if you did that, it's going to take three years. No. God can say, here's the way. There's a way to go through in whatever situation, but our foundation has got to be on Him. See, you look to Him. And if you take that out, and look at people and listen to people that they may, their methods, and there's lots of self-help, and there's lots of YouTube channels, and, you know, uh, uh, different social media um, accounts and things that are, are, are giving advice, but what is the foundation behind it? Because if, there's, if the foundation isn't the Bible, there will always be holes in it, and they will start bumping up against the limits of what is possible or what in your situation is possible. And if you build on some of those and then they fail, your hope goes down because you can get your hope up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You may have read something that said, that kind of helps me. It's just if it's not on the right foundation, you can get to the place where the bottom will drop out of it and... Now you don't have hope because you had hope, but now this failed you. Now what are you going to do? But if we go to the Lord Jesus and we go to God and base... See, He is the source of, of true hope. In other words, His hope, what He brings, will never fail. It, it won't fail. In other words, you, you, you cannot name a circumstance where there's no hope if you're working with God. That does not exist. When Jesus was on the planet, and he walked, you know, uh, on the planet, and walked as a man, they came to him and said, Lazarus is dead. 
most people would say there's no hope. And he was actually dead for days. And when Jesus came, he pulled him right, you know, told him to, to rise and come out, and he was alive again. There is no situation where God comes up and says, I, I can't do it. There's no way. There's no hope. His way, I mean, he has, he has a way through, and there is always hope with God. That means you can get up no matter what's going on and still have hope. Right now. Tomorrow. Next Thursday. Regardless. If we'll put our eyes in the right place, if we'll put our eyes on Him, if we'll draw on the source of hope, and keep that in mind, that regardless, if I'm, put, if I'm looking to Him, there's still hope. Let's read one more scripture in closing. Hebrews 6, just read the last part of this. Hebrews 6, verse 18 says, so God has given both his promise and his oath that these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, he who, he who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. That's the hope that's supposed to anchor us, is Him. That hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor. Other ones may not be, but His hope, based on the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll hold. No matter what. Amen?